0: Welcome to episode 45 of Blue Jays Happy Hour Live. I'm Nick Ashbourne, joined as always by Andrew Stoughton. We are coming to you a few days after what can only be described as a historical loss, one that will never be forgotten uh, in Blue Jays history. You know, historic for the league as a whole, the words or numbers, I suppose, 8-1 are burned into all of our memories we're gonna dive into that. We're gonna dive into a little bit of Ross Atkins talk uh today and just where the blue jays go from here. But Stone, we gotta get started with uh game two. In in my podcast notes, what I have is what the fuck happened. So I'll just ask you that question.
1: Um well, first of all, I mean I was there. I sat in a stupid, sweaty, plastic blue chair for the entirety of it. Um and I'm still not entirely sure what happened. Like it was, uh, it was, uh, it was an extraordinarily miserable experience. Like, like which I cannot compare to like literally anything that I've ever gone through in my life. I mean, you know, relative to sports, obviously. Like, let's not blow it out of proportion. But, uh, yeah, I, I wrote, I wrote that. I mean, if you like, you could run that game from eight-one Blue Jays to the end a thousand times and the mariners may never won, win once. Uh and yet they did. And I feel like every time I've talked about it and everything I've written about it uh, takes credit away from the Mariners um who were who are fine, who are a fine team. Uh but that's because the Blue Jays just beat themselves and and, and did somehow everything wrong at every critical juncture. Which is kind of like the worst fear that everybody had about this team all year because they just didn't feel like they had that kind of, you know, had it, had it in them to be a champion or whatever, you know.
0: They didn't play like champions. Like I'll say they that. They did not they play didn't. Like
1: champions on that day, yeah.
0: They definitely didn't play like champions. There's two things, right? The first thing is exactly what you said. If you play that game however many times, you're going to get a ridiculously small percentage of them where the Mariners win it, you know, so many things went against them. So many weird things that, you know, came to the fore like that catch, right? Really a couple feet one way, and it's a pretty easy catch for a Springer, a couple feet the other way, the infielders get it. So all of this stuff is literally true that you can dismiss it. You can say, this is a fluke. This was an insane thing that happened. But at the same time, there was also a scenario that, these things were possible, right? Like, we got in a situation with this bullpen where the only pitcher Schneider really had at the end was Jordan Romano. Like, if you're another team that does a better job of bolstering your bullpen, you have more matchup options there. You got yourself in a situation where you, you know, if you were dead set on using the lefty there against Carlos Santana, which, you know, we can talk about, is probably not the right decision, the only guy you had to do do that with was Tim Meza. So as much as some of the decisions were poor decisions uh, and John Schneider undoubtedly made some poor decisions here and he may well have gotten away, away with them. I think most of the time he would have, but Mm -hmm. they were also in a situation where this insane confluence of events was possible. And some of that was structural in terms of the way the team built the bullpen uh, and some of the players that they, you know, they trotted out there and, you know, having Rymel Tappy instead of Jackie Bradley Jr. Like, again, there's lots of stuff you can drill down on individually, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that, and those things are worthy of contemplation, but it's, uh, it's not purely bad luck. Like, there's things about this team that were bad. There were flaws in this team, and, you know, sometimes people got over-focused on those flaws, and there's no such thing as a flawless team, but this came about because of some of the flaws that the team had in its construction, and it would not have happened to certain other teams.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, I, I wrote the piece. I'm sure a lot of people have read the thing that I wrote about it. Like, yeah, you make your own luck is, is, is like the phrase that kept coming back into my head. And I think that they're like, obviously I wrote a whole fucking thing about it. Uh, Yeah. Like they, there's a lot of choices, and not just uh, you know it's not just about Schneider's choices It's not just about bo, bo choice to to try to hero it on that ball. It's about you know choices about how they constructed the bullpen and how like I'll, there's a lot that have that went into how that happened uh, which is maybe like uh, maybe we like maybe we're overthinking it, maybe like gnashing at teeth is 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 unnecessary when you could just be like, well, they just weren't good enough, which might also be true but I think they kind of were like, and we talked about like, they were good enough
0: to beat the Mariners. Like you could say, Oh, was this team good enough to win the world series? You could have that argument. Was this team good enough to beat the Seattle Mariners in a three game series at home? Undoubtedly. The answer to that is yes.
1: Yeah. And there's, and there's going, and this is, this is what my takeaway I guess was, is that of course there's going to be chaos. Of course there's going to be luck. Of course, you know, in in a short series like that, of course there's going to be all these things that you can't plan for. And it just seemed like, like I don't want I don't want to take that game as like a microcosm of like everything that was bad about the Blue Jays all along. And though it, though I think that you can like I don't know I think a lot of people have. But I think you can, like be can feel that way and feel like oh of course the bullpen blew it because the bullpen was bad or of course like this 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 happened. Uh, I I don't think you necessarily need to do that. But like I but at the same time like that like. It, a lot of what happened to them in that game came out of like structural choices and choices that they made. Uh, and as, as like, I all, as anybody listening knows, like, I don't want to be the guy who like, <laughs> like gets the pitchforks out and is, is like getting the hate clicks or whatever. Like I try to be reasonable. I try to be positive, And I think that's like the reasonable thing to do. But you can't, it, it, like, it, you. I would be derelict in my duty as somebody who comments on this team to to not say, like, yeah, like, like some of that, like, uh, factored in. Like, I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm just, I'm still puzzled by, you know, they, they know about run prevention. What, like, what is George Springer doing out there? What is, like, what is Rocky Topia doing in there? Like, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, really sort of slipped away from them in a really crucial moment, and I, I yeah i I think that a lot of people once once the like takery dies down, I think that's going to be a question that is going to be hard for a lot of people to answer
0: yeah, like you said, a lot of the things that happen can be traced to individual witnesses with this team like it's not what happened writ large was inexplicable that's a perfectly fine word to describe it like it is a truly bizarre set of things that happened in the sequence they happened but if you tease apart each of these individual things it's not for instance i don't know george springer's power wasn't good enough and he hit like a fly ball he just kept hitting fly balls to the warning track or alejandro kirk simply couldn't make contact with the baseball and he kept striking out in big spots like it wasn't insane things that these in theory never do like rymal tapian not making a catch is pretty believable because he's not 100% believable, yeah. Great defensive outfielder like Bo Bichette making a crucial defensive error. And if anything, people probably harp on his defensive weaknesses too much. But also, he's not a great defensive shortstop. So the idea of him making a crucial defensive error... Not hard to believe. Tim Mesa coming in in a big spot and totally blowing it, especially considering what he did a little bit at the end of the year. Not too hard to believe that that's the sort of thing that would happen. Jordan Romano. I guess the
1: guy batting on the right side who's actually better.
0: Yeah. I mean, man. Okay. (laughs) I I do want to go deep on that because I think that that's like, that is really, I know that the collision is really the thing. Um, but re- you know, for me, it's the Mesa one that, that I keep getting back to, and the reason is, like you said, the splits thing. The value of turning Santana around uh, doesn't really have any value. Um, Kevin Gosman deep into his pitch count, but not to a ridiculous degree by any means, and also just struck uh, and out also, a couple.
1: And also, as I wrote, would have been less deep had a, a better defender than Ronald Tapia been out there to replace Merrifield.
0: Yes, and which, wait, also which,
1: which, which, still stuns me.
0: This, this is one of the little I plays, can't believe, in the... you're
1: making me. We're making. I'm getting mad about this stupid game again. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> Let, I will say that one of the inexplicable things that did happen in this game that I think played an outsized role in the outcome that no one is talking about, and you could you could claim that I'm overthinking here, but in the first inning when. Santiago Espinal boots that first ground ball, and that's fine. Espinal is a great fielder. Uh, you know, he hadn't played in a bit; he could be a bit rusty. That can happen. But that cost Gosman approximately ten pitches, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if he were in that spot in the sixth inning, and he had ten fewer pitches on his pitch count, I believe that the Blue Jays would be more inclined, especially with that cushion, to kind of let him get out of that jam and see where the chips fall on that and potentially even use him at the beginning of the next inning. Now, you know, there's things that go the other way, right? There's calls he got in his favor. There's good plays. I don't want to – it is kind of tough to be like, let's leave everything exactly where it was and change this one thing. Uh, That can be an unrealistic way of thinking about things, but that is a tiny play in the game um, that I think makes a difference in that decision, and that decision – is the indefensible one now? I'm not. Oh, also,
2: he's only at 95. I don't
1: know. Like, what, what are you like?
0: Like, um, you know,
1: like an hour later, Jordan Romano's pitching two innings. Like, like, why do you need to take Kevin Gossman out at 95? Like, it's like it's the middle of May, and you need to have him face the fucking Royals in five days. Like,
0: I. I think that to use the hockey cliche, and you know that when we're talking about baseball, it's really smart to bring as much hockey into it as you can. I, mean, um, I am Canadian.
1: I do. Yeah. I do understand yeah but football.
0: like the, the old cliche with hockey is sort of the gripping the stick too hard. And uh, as a result, you just don't have the soft hands and you're not able to convert the goals when you have the opportunities. And I feel like that's a little bit where John Schneider was. Like He was thinking, oh, I'm... The smart thing to do is to make sure they never even get back into this game. So I'm going to be proactive. Like, I'm not going to give Gosman rope here because I'm going to proactively decide the Mariners are never getting back in this game. I don't want them to have hope. Uh, I don't want them, you know, I want to snuff this out. Maybe I can even save some relievers for later, potentially, if we can keep it to 8-1 or something like that. Uh, Could have an effect on game three. Like, there's a lot of... uh, proactive, and arguably intelligent thinking that goes into that, but it's also overthinking. Like, I don't know. That's what you get no, when you I, have Tim Meza to come in.
1: No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think, yeah, no, I, it, I, I think you're absolutely right. And that's probably what the thought was. There was definitely a thought about, like, they didn't want a bigger inning. They didn't want, they didn't want Rodriguez to have to face Meza with the three-batter rule. That kind of factored into it a bit. Uh, and it's just and just like, no, but if he couldn't have gotten one these of those things two compelling reasons yeah. to have uh, Tim Mays a pitch at that point, especially because he's been bad all second half and also bad against right handed.
0: Let's we have a caller here. So I, I think this person is going to bring down the temperature and uh, be totally <laughs> even handed. That's my guess.
1: All right, let's do it. Uh, we got uh, started. Let's go, man. Lovely, so, Lovely to hear you. Uh, thank
2: you so much. So I predicted the Toronto Blue Jays to win over the um I don't who uh, which team are the Blue Jays were the Blue Jays playing in the postseason? The Seattle Mariners. Um, so I predicted the Blue Jays to win over the Seattle Mariners in three games, and unfortunately, my prediction didn't out didn't come come out to be true. Unfortunately, they got eliminated from the postseason. Yes, so we know this. yeah. And that was kind of like uh, That was kind of like surprising because I wanted them to move on. There. Um, but it didn't happen. Um, were you kind of a little stunned when like they got eliminated? I mean, you know, they're a really great baseball team with you know Matt Chapman and marks uh, uh, Marcus Semyon and all these great players. Were you a little bit like caught off guard when they got eliminated, or were you like, it, you know, this was meant to happen? You know, like they're a good baseball team, but yeah, can, no, uh, can... I, 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 I
1: think I think we get I think we get what you're saying. Uh, no, um. Well, Marcus Jimmy doesn't play for them anymore, but uh, I, I was a little. I, I well, this is the, the well, let's turn this into a good question, no effect <laughs> by implying that it wasn't uh, like I'm mean, the the playoffs are chaotic, the the, the three game series doesn't necessarily mean like the best team isn't necessarily going to win. Um, but man, it's just like I like I was surprised that the Blue Jays lost, I, I suppose. But also, like they they beat themselves in a lot of ways, and I don't want. I, I do want to take away credit from the Seattle Mariners because, like, just watching that game, I just didn't feel they did, you know, like, did enough to feel as so, good about their win as they, uh, as, so as, they was... uh, as as they did. Um, so but he... yeah, like, uh, I, I, yeah, uh, th- that's this is the nature of the baseball players. This is kind of like mm-hmm. where. Rob Manfred and, and MLB has gone right with uh...
0: it's it's really the how not the what right like if you yeah. told me the Toronto Blue Jays lost a playoff series against the Seattle Mariners I don't think that's a fact I I would have found to be truly shocking a couple of days ago. Uh, the fact they've done it in this fashion is really the difference. Cause yeah, the team that is slightly better uh, wins, you know, it seems slightly worse or even significantly worse wins in the MLB playoffs all the time. You know, we saw the Mets go out, right? Like that was a very good ball club, Um, probably a better ball club than the blue Jays. And they went out to a Padres team that didn't have the same talent as them. We have Matt, uh, another caller on the line.
1: Yeah. Let's get Matt up in here. Uh, yeah you'll have to unmute yourself matt. Uh, I've done podcasts with Matt. he uh he probably understands technology may have better takes than uh hey, <laughs> hey Matt good to hear from you
0: Sorry about uh,
1: that. Yeah. give us some thoughts on that nonsense uh not the last question, but also the the blue Jays.
0: <laughs> yeah tough act to follow um I was going to i guess in between getting blasted by Rosie Domano today, Ross Atkins at, uh, at his press conference, um, was asked what I thought was a reasonably interesting question. And you guys kind of touched on it earlier in talking about how this is one of those games that if you played it a thousand times would never turn out this way again, or very rarely would. But how do you balance, you know, 162 games of sample size versus two games of sample size, but considering the fact that those two games are what you were building towards, like, it kind of feels like this is going to be a hard season to react to if your management, like what, what's real and what isn't, if that makes any sense.
1: No, I think, it, I think it does. Nick, you have uh please.
0: Yeah. No, I think that that's, that's a valid question because you can definitely box yourself into a corner believing that, we put together a good team. It was good enough to win, you know, even against a Mariners team with good pitching, you put up nine runs in that game, they're whatever, 54 and 0, whatever that number was going around when they score nine runs, you know, they are favored to win at least one series. I think if you get into the ALDS, you probably feel like you're making progress. Like, you know, even if over the course of the 2022 regular season, the Blue Jays were not as convincing as the 2021 version in a lot of ways, and probably just in pure quality, not as good. If you're able to take that step forward and make the ALDS, at least you can say to yourself, okay, well, we've got some of our guys into the playoffs now, into the real playoffs after an 162 game season, and we've got them some experience there. And we can we can build off this. Like you can nitpick some stuff too. You can say, wow, like Kirk has come forward, the catching situation is better than we ever imagined. You know, we you know, Alc Manoa is really that guy. And we believe that Vladdy will bounce back and be a little bit better next year. And we're interested in what Bo did at the end of last season. Like if they had had a little bit more playoff success, you could really put yourself in a place where you believe that the team is just moving in the right direction, arguably a little bit slowly, but is heading in the right direction. And now I don't think that that's a spin that you can reasonably have. I think you, the the spin at this point is that they kind of stalled out this year. Like they didn't necessarily take a step back, but they didn't take a step forward. And we're going to get into it a little bit later in this podcast, but they have some pretty significant challenges in shoring up this team, in particular, the pitching staff in the off season ahead. And they don't necessarily have a ton of resources to throw at it.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. I think that, you know, I mean, stalled out seems seems harsh, but also, yeah. And and the clock is ticking. And I've written this a couple of times, like, like you know you, you, we everybody thinks of, of and, and, and nick i know you've talked about this and i don't we really talked about it on air and messages but like you know all the roasting of of how adley rutschman is is uh older than vlad and beau and kirk it's like yeah but his service time like he's gonna be in baltimore for you know he just came up this year he's gonna be there forever and the clock is ticking on vlad and beau and less so kirk but like you know the like the the Jays are in that spot where this is why this off season is is really fascinating i think because one, they kind of built in like a lot of money is going to be on the books for this year. They thought they were going to be probably better than they are. They thought Jose Barrios was going to be better than he is, <laughs> uh, and like, and and like, and the clock, the clock is ticking. Like this is a, you know, this is a golden generation. I think as I as I wrote a thing, and like, and it and it is, and it's like how. Like, we're we're not in the worry zone yet, but if we're having a similar conversation in a year, like you know, this can't be a a like t- the Bichette talks about lessons. You, it can't be that stepping stone. I don't think it can't. It, like it needs to. It needs to go farther next year. It needs to get better. And they've kind of painted themselves in the corner a little bit financially. We think we're not sure. Uh, hopefully not. But like like how do you get how do you get better? And I think they can get better, but also, it, also just even like in, in the in the bigger sense of like how baseball works and how the playoffs now work with the expanded field and stuff. Like, I don't know, like it, we may have to wrap our heads around it in a different way, right? Like, it's like the best team doesn't necessarily always win, and like the Blue Jays were not the best team this year, but they were the fourth best team in the American League. Well, that's pretty good, especially when you have. Vlad and Bo having kind of down years, Barrios having the year that he did, he he spent on, you know, I mean, every team is going to get better next year. The Jays can't really just spin their wheels, but also it is, it's a good start. And I, I I just, I wonder if we're approaching a point where, uh, just getting into the playoffs and like rolling the dice is, is like the goal for a lot of front offices. And I don't know that that's the kind of baseball I want to watch. Uh, and I don't know that that's how – I I do know that that's how fans don't – like how fans think about it, right? Like I don't think people think about it that way.
0: No, absolutely not. Um, we do have uh, – sorry, Matt, if you had anything else, absolutely feel free to go ahead. I don't want to rush to the next caller.
1: Not at all. Uh, that's
0: it. Thanks, boys. It was a good season listening to your show. Uh, keep it coming.
1: Thank you so much, Matt. Uh, enjoy those tall cans. <laughs>
2: oh,
0: Before – before we get to the next color, which is Jay, we have a little bit in the chat. I'd like to address the chat. A longtime friend of the show, Dr. Internet. I have the same question as first color. What team did the Blue Jays face in the postseason? And another friend, Zubes, uh, w- agrees with the doc and wants to know. My answer to that would be, you know, we don't have PhDs here. We don't, we don't have the ability to answer questions that complicated necessarily. And, uh, you know, we're, we're experts, but our expertise only goes so far. So we're going we're gonna to have Jay here.
2: Hey, just uh, kind of curious what your thoughts are. Um, we saw kind of how the up the middle defense let us down in game two. What do you think the chances are that the Jays kind of make some moves and shift maybe Springer to right or Bichette to second?
1: I, I think that's a great question. I think that, yeah, I don't know if they're ready to grapple with it, uh, but I think that's a question they should be ready to like thinking about and it's hard to read what they think obviously, but yeah, I mean, I think anybody looking at this team on paper is like George Springer should be right. Boba should be at second.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. The other thing, I mean, there's, you know, there's sort of the soft human element for lack of a better term yeah. with that. Like Bachet sees himself as a shortstop. Undoubtedly. I think they kind of missed the bus on this, to be honest. Like if they had brought in Lindor when he was available,
2: well, for they instance, had,
1: they had Marcus Simeon last year, which was yeah. maybe the opportunity to do that.
0: May Yeah, I don't know. I You're, you're right, because Simeon was a, a solid defensive shortstop, but I just feel like someone like Lindor had maybe more kind of defensive cachet. I don't, maybe that's not accurate, but someone who kind of everyone around the league acknowledges like this guy is an insane defensive shortstop. He's so good. Therefore, you kind of have to do it. And when it's more of a, this would, you know, maybe save us five runs over the course of a season, but we're going to you know, Bo Bichette's going to have real problems with that. It's a tricky, it's tricky waters to wade into. I think you really do have to bring in a shortstop with cachet to do that. And I'm not sure, even though Santiago Espinal may well be a better defensive shortstop than Bo, I'm not sure that that's something they'd be willing to do with him. I think it would be someone from the outside, and I'm not sure who that would be. I think that you know, a lot of the shortstops came and went. Like there's a moment there where there was a lot of great shortstops available, and the Blue Jays opted not to go in for any of them. Uh, and now they 're in a little bit of a difficult position that way springer is is a little bit easier I think you know springer's getting getting older seems like he 's getting older pretty fast there uh i don 't want to rag on him too much because I thought you know he showed a lot of bravery going for that play, and it really sucks the injuries he he sustained but saying to Springer, you know we want to keep you healthy, we think your bad is so valuable. uh we know you can be good in center, but we just think in right you 'll be a little bit safer. I don't think that's too hard a conversation to have. you got to find yourself a center fielder at that point, which is a difficult thing to do. Yes. But, I, but I think that, I, I don't know, when you talk to Springer about the length of this contract, that was probably discussed at some point, like you know, maybe a little bit later on, maybe it wasn't. But I don't know. It was always sort of implied. So that's something that should absolutely happen. Um, and I would like to see that happen as soon as next year. But you, you really got to find a center fielder. And that hasn't been easy for them to do in recent seasons.
1: No, I, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I think that like Springer was playing right field more for the Astros before he came here than he has been here. Uh, with, like, uh, and, and, you know, it, it's it's less about him and more about like, what are you going to play? Randall Gritchick in center field every day? You going to play Tapia, You going to play Jackie Bradley Jr.? Like, no, Springer is the best option. Uh, if they had a guy, I think that would be way better. And I, I and I think you're right too about. Uh, about uh, Michelle. like Espinal is a better defender at shortstop, absolutely. But he's a platoon guy, like, you need to find a regular there. Like, how I don't know, it's very you know, like, it, it, and I think that people probably don't appreciate like the, the how hard those conversations must be, especially when it's guys who. You know, you're the guys that you want to make happy, and that's like a weird thing in the sport where it's like, okay, like Bashad is like a guy you want to make happy because you want him to stay around. You want like he's he's one of your guys. Espinal is like fungible, fungible, whatever you want to say. In you know a very good player, but like there's there's Espinals out there. There's like platoon shortstops, good glove out there, and and he had an all star season. I don't want to denigrate him, but. Uh, yeah, like, Bichette's, like, a guy, a core piece, and a guy who you want to be thinking about extending, and we, we may talk about that uh, eventually as well, but, like, yeah, I'd like, you know, on paper, if all this was easy, and it should be, but, like, yeah, Springer, right field, Bichette, second base, I think, I mean, and, and add, like, a great defensive, like, like watching J.P. Crawford out there for uh, for a couple of days, he's pretty good defensive shortstop, uh, and Uh, Like I, that that would it would behoove them. It would be good for them to uh, to think about that and find a path to do that. But it is, I think, easier said than done, as you say.
0: And I I think also a lot of Blue Jays. Also, I just looked up, and as you said, he he uh, Springer played a lot more right field. Like he set his career high in center field innings this season, which is an insane thing to do at the age of thirty three. Especially
1: when you're George Springer. God love him, love him, but that's insane.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, and then on on Bichette, yeah, it's something that I think it's even harder than it looks on paper because this was part of the Bo Bichette story. It's the the fact that he always believed he was a shortstop, and people said, oh, he's probably a second baseman, third baseman, whatever." And he fought through that perception, and he was able to quote unquote become a shortstop or stick at shortstop or whoever you want to put that. And he sort
1: of there, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I, I think it gets really tricky to sort of walk that back and be like, hey, Bo, remember when we drafted you in part because we said we'd always wanted you to be yourself and you know leave your weird swing the way it is and we've always believed in you since day one? That thing that you've been working your whole career to prove people wrong about, we actually think those people are right um, and therefore move off shortstop, please. Again, I'm not saying that's something that shouldn't or couldn't be pursued, but it is very difficult. Also for Blue Jays fans, there's also this memory of, you know, we talked about it before a couple of episodes ago about Jose Reyes and them moving Reyes away, and you know they had that shortstop who was good offensively but not defensively, and then they finally locked it in with Tulowitzki, and it seemed to change a lot, even though Tulowitzki was never himself offensively with the Blue Jays, and it's hard to shake those powerful examples, even if they might be, you know, it's not necessarily a template that you can easily follow. Or it's the exact right answer to the question, but a lot of people who are going to be in this call, listening to this podcast, and are fans of the Blue Jays, just have this very visceral example of replace the guy who doesn't do shortstop great with a great shortstop, and suddenly the team takes off.
1: Uh, accurate, absolutely true. I think it is difficult without that guy there. And you know, if Espinal had kind of continued on the season that he'd had, maybe we could have that that uh you know, I don't know, Manny Lee played shorts or played second base until Fernandez left or whatever. Uh, but also yeah I, I I go back to the fact that like I think that maybe the ship sailed when uh they didn't move him for Simeon, which I understand why they did it. And I understand why it's gonna be a tough conversation. And I understand why fans are like, well, what do you mean it's a fucking tough conversation? Just telling him he's playing second base. He's not he's not gonna do it. Um but uh, like that would, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it does make it difficult, and I think it does also feed into like how people are like trying to run, not trying to run, but out of town. But are like maybe that's a guy you trade. Maybe that's like the kind of big piece that you move. And uh, and and, it, and it's it's difficult. It's difficult, and also especially because yeah, I've fallen into the trap of like, uh, like the like the Jose Reyes thing. I defended him because, you know, it, he the package works, right? Like, you know, if you are an advanced stats guy or a stats person or, you know, you look at that kind of stuff, it's like, okay, yes, the defense leaves you wanting. And I think he wasn't as good this year uh, as, as – uh, he didn't take the step forward. Like, he took a bit of a step forward last year and didn't do it this year. Uh, but also with the bat and that, it kind of works. Uh, but it just, it, uh, it does leave you wanting. And also like, honestly, like i like, there's a lot of people who, who are down on Bo's defense for completely understandable reasons. Uh, and I looked at, I, I just, I, I just like, uh, a cursory look at like outs above average, uh, shortstops on teams that played in the world series going back like 10 years. Cause I'm like, Oh man, some of them might've had a guy that kind of had that shape. Not a lot. Like I think like Seager didn't. The, the Seager had a bad year in 2019, and then they went to the World Series in 2020. But like uh, it, there's not there's not a lot of guys. There's not a lot of teams at, that have a shortstop who has that shape where yeah he's not great defensively, but he gives you a lot with the bat. Uh, and I don't know that that means anything. But I definitely was like looking for an example to be like, oh come on, this guy's not a great shortstop, but he. It, but it works and uh, didn't necessarily find one, to be honest. And, and uh, that's maybe a stupid reason to be like, oh, needs to move to short uh, to second base, but also there may be several other reasons.
0: Yeah. It, it'll it be an interesting situation to monitor, but I think the most likely scenario is the status quo and people just grumbling about it for the rest of his blue Jays tenure, to be honest, like, it. But,
1: but also like, is that like, I mean, how, like, just do they let them? Do they let that hold them back, right? And I think that's the point where a lot of fans are like, you know, you you, you can't let that like they are a, they are a year away from squandering uh, a really incredible core that they talked up rightfully so a lot, and uh, you know one it, it's going it's gonna fray if they don't really have an, a successful twenty twenty three, and we can talk about that, and we probably will talk about like where this is all going and you know it 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 was bad that they lost obviously it was a weird season it was a bad season it was a season where they they underachieved uh but you can get away with that now i don't know if you can get away with it another year i don't know if you can go into 2024 with like running it back with Bo at shortstop running it but you know like how often are you going to do this
0: well, I mean, going into 2024, like like you said, the core kind of either gets extended or dismantled after 2023 when we're talking about some of the guys like Teoscar and Matt Chapman uh, and, you know, the other guys are marching towards free agency. So I, I don't think there is a status quo going towards 2023 unless you're doing a whole bunch of extensions, which I just am disinclined to believe that's the way it's going to go. But you're right, you know, this – It is hard to let this sit for an extended period of time, especially if you are absolutely knocking on the door. And I I think that if anything, maybe they haven't gone far enough. Like if they had gone to, I don't know, the ALCS or the World Series or something, and it seemed like this is really holding them back. Whereas because they haven't really pushed in the playoffs at all, it's really hard to say. And again, you know, if it were me, I would find a way to get Bo off shortstop. But I probably would have done it, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, <laughs> potentially. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say. You know, what stopped us from winning the World Series is, is Bo uh, at shortstop, or you know, what stopped us from that deep platform, just because they haven't come close to doing that yet. So it's a little bit maybe it's more difficult to sell the idea of oh, we're a uh, Bo, we really need you to do it for this team because then we're gonna we're gonna really take off your – because uh, there's more at play than that, you know. the The pitching staff is a thing that needs to be addressed, and like that is a bigger issue, to be honest. Um, which is not to say you can't address both. It's not to say that you can't. Uh, it's not worth squeezing every piece of value out that you possibly can. But I don't think you could honestly say, like, you know, what really killed the Blue Jays this year was Bobuchet's defense. I don't think that that's fair.
1: No, I, I. You're right. You're right. And no, and I, and like I say, I'm like generally a defender of him. I think it works. But also, you got a right fielder playing center, and you got a, a second baseman playing short, and uh, and you, the, that and we kind of talk about. You know, what Ross Atkins said today, like you know, it's hard to upgrade on those nine guys. It's like, well, but also that, you know, uh, perfection uh, is the enemy of good, or whatever the whatever this, the the saying is. Uh, and I think you're right about the pitching is obviously something we ha- we will have to talk about as well uh
0: also things that are hard is like your job kind of like part of (laughs) being a general manager it's part of it that's cool part of the reason we all like you know fantasy baseball and out of the park baseball and all these type of things is that there are so many levers you can pull as a baseball general manager because you not only do you have a major league 40-man roster and all that jazz you've also got countless farm systems uh, not farm system farm teams not countless six or seven you know what i'm getting at there's so yeah. many different players at your disposal that you can trade and so many players that are available a lot of teams in baseball that aren't really trying to win baseball games so that's really helpful when you're trying to acquire players and i'm not saying they need to shake up the precision player cord necessarily in a profound way but the idea of like eh, it's hard to do better than that like you said um i'm not sure that that i'm convinced by that but let, let's get well, into well, the atkins well, they're, stuff they're, they're, before
1: we move on but yeah no and I, I i just i feel like and i wrote this the other day like <laughs> i feel like they like a year ago they decided to double down on this roster uh and a year <laughs> removed from that it doesn't feel as good right like they put so much money into Burrios. gosman has been great but like that like i mean I wrote about the uh, the 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 uh, arbitration salaries, the projections from MLBTR, uh, and it's like you know most most of the guys you are going to keep. Like, there is not going to. I mean, there there doesn't have to be a ton of turnover unless they really want it to happen. And uh, and I think that was you know that was by design. And from a year out, and a lot of people were saying last year, run it back, get bring Simeon back, bring Ray back. Uh, I don't know the, if that would have gone any better, but. Uh, but like but they like they've kind of like painted themselves in a the corner i think especially financially uh, with like i mean a bunch like more money is coming off the books like there's a bunch of critchick money that's going to still be on there uh, uh, for 2023 that'll be gone in 2024 Renew's going to be gone after 2023 20, uh, you know there's there's a little bit more flexibility which the plan event uh, uh, originally i think was to get you know extensions for bowen vlad uh, in particular, and uh, that would be great. Get them at like at, at decent numbers and, and lock them up a long time. I think everybody wants that. But uh, but it's just they're they're just they're it, like this year in particular was kind of like the hump. I think that they that they understood was going to happen and probably felt that 2022 was going to go better than it did. And uh, and I think that's going to cause problems, uh, particularly in the off season.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so many players that they had on cheap contracts, and those, like you said, the financial crunch is coming. Those guys are no longer cheap, and they're never gonna they're never gonna be cheap again. Like you're never gonna pay nothing for Vladdy in the future. I mean, they paid him a little bit this year, but not compared to his market rate. And the issue is that they had the ability to sign these big contracts that they signed in part because those guys didn't cost anything. So it's like, okay, here's our payroll. Vladdy and Bo aren't costing anything, and therefore we can sign these other guys. But instead of signing either using that money to sign guys who are expensive on short term deals, they did it with Semyon and Ray, uh, more so Semyon. So that was one good example of it. It's like, let's eat this money for now that we have it, but not kind of bog down the future. Generally speaking, they signed big, long contracts. So now we're approaching the time when Bo and Vlad aren't cheap anymore. And you know Kirk and Mano are gonna get there eventually. Oh, that's kind of like a different issue. That they still have these contracts on the books, like reuse coming off, but no one else is coming off the book. So you, this time, like you said, 2021, 2022, these were the times where it's like, wow, we have the opportunity to really supplement veterans in with this great young core. And the core may be young, but it's no longer young in effect from a contract standpoint. And all these contracts have been added, and there's not going to be a lot of wiggle room. And it sort of reminds you a little bit of what happened with the Red Sox a few years ago, where they had all these great players. And it's like, wow, this is exciting. We have great players. We're going to retain everybody. But the moment they did that, then they were locked into everything, and there was not a lot of maneuvering that could be done. And as much as people hated discussion of payroll flexibility in the, few, in the years in the past, and the way that they seemed to fetishize that, well, you could use a little bit of payroll flexibility in the next couple of years.
2: Oh,
1: absolutely. And I I mean, can't blame any I mean, you know, Rogers owns the team, like obviously everybody knows they could pay more. Uh the San Diego Padres have like a two hundred thirty million dollar payroll. Uh the Blue Jays could easily do that. But in the the way that they have to operate, that's just not how it is and it, uh, yeah it, it's it it's good it's getting a little bit tight and and i think a comment that ross atkins made today about ross stripling uh who he just kind of like maybe not thinking about it but just kind of just like yeah there's gonna be an opening uh where stripling was kind of like kind of betrayed what they actually think about the stripling situation which is that he's probably not going to be back uh which sucks because he's been great and i think that you know obviously there's lots of reasons to want to keep Ross Stripling Probably, you know, lots of reasons to be wary of him, but, uh, but that creates a big hole in the rotation. And they see, he seemed, he seemed okay with that, or at least resigned to the fact that they're going to have to deal with it in a, uh, in a, in a way that doesn't involve paying Ross Stripling, you know, what his market value is.
0: Yeah. Obviously with the opening with strip, we're going to look to fulfill that role as well. That was the quote um, Rob Longley tweeted that because they can't afford at this point, And again, can't is the wrong word, but we're talking about the way in which they choose to operate uh, in that world that we live in. They can't afford guys to spike in expense right now eh? and accept the very, very best guys. And so guys like Stripling are potentially going to get squeezed out of a pitching staff that could really use guys like Stripling Um, That was not the only interesting thing that uh, Atkins said today. Interesting, I don't know if that's the right word, but notable things, a few things. One, I wanted to to note this quotation because it is the most Atkins quotation I think of all time.
1: (laughs) I bet it says nothing, man.
0: You, wow. <laughs> Your profit. Uh, obviously, we're not happy with the end result. I'm not unaware of how difficult that was for our fan years. Just, I don't know. Again, like it's nitpicky stuff. It's, I don't think Hackens is a bad guy or that he doesn't understand or anything, but it's when you phrase things like that. People put a premium on relatability in terms of their content in general. Um, I think that they like to see themselves in the thing, you know their heroes. I don't think Atkins is anyone's hero necessarily, but sometimes the, <laughs> the players are. You know what I mean? The team is something they're investing their soul in, and it doesn't feel like it's of them when you phrase things like that where it just seems you like – You
1: don't like the double negative.
0: Yeah, it's a double negative. Basically, I'm just really angry at a double negative, I guess, but it, it's just a classic example of them. Yeah, them not really echoing the fans back to the fans, which I think in many cases is what the fans want. Um, so that's just a silly nitpicky thing. He sort of backed john schneider but not as much as he maybe could have like he said that you know schneider did as good a job as you could imagine essentially but that decision was effectively still being made i don't know about you i don't know if i expected today was the day he was going to be like i can now confirm he's no longer the interim manager but leaving the door open in such an obvious manner when he has a way of not being obvious uh did strike me as a little bit surprising
1: it was odd it was a bit odd for sure and i mean i i suspect it's just like his uh th- they want to do their due diligence, which is you know you hear that all the time, especially now that we 're in the fucking off season because they didn't win that stupid fucking game uh, but like you know i I'm sure i, I it, it I would still be surprised if Schneider isn't the manager next year, but also uh I, like I don't, I, I don't know. Like I, I had a few. I tweeted about it. And I had a few people like wondering, like, is it a money thing? Is it a, like, like what, like, you know, are, are they? I my thought was like, are are they just afraid to say it after like what what a fucking disaster Saturday was? Uh, but I ultimately where I landed was you know it's it's probably just like due diligence, but also it's like I don't know. You had. What do you like? The, there's not there's not a lot to do in September. Like you you had a lot of time to you know you're going to have to do this at some point. Like, like like how do you not have a better answer? Why are we talking about it? Right? Like the just the fact that we're even talking about it is like a failure of their communication, which I think a lot of people get hung up on or, and and could 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 take their communications better and could and could not you know, not be worried about like, Oh, they're communicating badly, but also, um, yeah, that, that that kind of stuff is a bit weird. Uh, I will say this about Ross. Uh, and I don't think this is, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to drag him, but I think this is just, this is just an anecdote that will, that will help set the scene for everybody. He's like, you know, I did drunk chase fans or whatever. I went I, I did a, a podcast. Or I don't even think I did a podcast. I like uh, he's just like, Yeah, come come chat in uh in my office. Uh so I went down and like uh hung out with him for a bit. He was like, You want a beer? It was like eleven thirty, he's like, You want a beer? And I'm like, Well, I mean if you're offering for sure. And it was at Keith's, it was in Alexander's So, you know.
0: Now you're really suddenly
1: if you know you know <laughs> what, what a terrible what a terrible offer that was. <laughs> but no i mean I, also no offense to the fine people at alexander keiths but that's macro group bullshit I, it's terrible um, but uh but yeah i that, like i i agree with you that i was surprised that like i wasn't surprised that he didn't say like hey here's john schneider here's a jersey uh but it's still it's just weird it's weird that we're talking about it it's weird that he made that a talking point i don't know that they care that we're talking about it but i kind of suspect they do i think that was the reason he asked me into his office was to be like hey um so i don't know it it, it it was weird but also i think he's probably as numb as everybody else to like life after watching that fucking horrible game on saturday
0: I, I think you're right in that it would have been a little bit weird to be like, you know who's an amazing manager? John <laughs> yeah. Schneider. And we're uh, we're all in on him. We signed him to a six-year deal. Um, no, I, I expect that he will be the manager longer term. That has been the most likely scenario for a long time now. One game should not totally color uh, how we feel about Schneider, although I know there are some fans who kind of think that game is a fireball offense. I don't necessarily feel that way about him, I think it's going to be a, not
2: his
1: best work, but not
0: not player. his finest work by any means. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there might be a due diligence, a PR component, but it, again, it's a PR that went a little bit sideways because it created this talking point that they probably didn't have much interest uh, in creating. But event, again, their communication has often had uh, effects on the public that they didn't necessarily predict or didn't necessarily want. Um, And this is another example.
1: Yeah, they seem not great at predicting what their communication is going to, uh, the ripple effects Uh, of it.
0: I think also, we're just in a different era with managers. Like, in the past, I don't know, let's say 20 years ago, if you had John Schneider and you had this game and it really went poorly and you thought, you know, I think I can do better. I can get a managing superstar. I can get like managers used to be big names around baseball. And I think that, you know, if you had asked me in 2002, Nick, name as many managers as you can, I probably would have done a better job then as just a fan uh, and an 11 year old than I would today as someone who's supposed to know this stuff, because managers just aren't as big figures anymore. And so I don't I just don't see a scenario where Ross thinks, or Ross and the whole team and the the collaboration the brain trust whatever thinks you know what schneider's good he's really good he's a b plus he's an a minus but i can find that managerial superstar that's going to take this team to the next <laughs> level like i just don't think anyone thinks that way anymore
1: no i well did you read the tom fruducci uh, joe madden article
0: i can't say that i did uh,
1: real bad real bad uh, feel bad <laughs> maybe feel bad about uh, believing in the Verducci effect and the the inverted W and uh, all sorts of dumb shit from years ago about how to handle pitchers, uh, but yeah, it it was bad. But it was kind of it was it, it was like oh, like a middle manager. Uh, it was surprised that he has an employer, kind of stuff. Uh, and and yeah, like there is like that. The point is to not have a superstar manager. The manager is you know is. Is as I think Brian Cashman said uh, at the winter meetings. You know, he's like, uh, the White House press secretary. Like he's just there to answer the questions, and you know, the strategy. This, the strategy stuff. I'm not going to be Steve Simmons. Fucking moron that he is, uh, who implied in his JS piece, you know, uh, which was not the most egregious thing that he did this week. Uh, but implied, you know, like, oh, maybe, maybe the Gosman got uh, there was a call from up high to pull Gosman at that time, which uh, I don't, I don't think that's that's not how that works. Um, but yeah, I don't think that there's, you know, there's not there's not these autonomous managers obviously anymore. Uh, so yeah, I don't know how much it matters. I think what matters is like a lot that like what the players said after the after the the horrific loss in game two, which was that like they really backed him and they thought he got the you know had a good sense of what the team is and 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 really vibed with them. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm surprised. I, I'm I was surprised when Atkins didn't say that he's going to be the guy, but you're right that like I didn't I didn't also expect them to to announce that he was the guy at this point. Uh, But, but also they don't like, they seem to not know how to communicate like their, their dumb ideas very well, which I think are just basically due diligence. Also, if I may tangent for a bit uh, (laughs) at Thanksgiving dinner, my dad was like, you know what I don't like about that new, uh, that new blue Jays manager. I'm like, Oh, Okay. Yeah. He's like, his face. I'm like, oh.
0: (laughs) Thanksgiving dinner is always a great source of takes on a variety of subjects. That's where, that's where our minds really expand as a society.
1: Yeah. Well, dad, if you're listening, be thankful. I didn't, I'm not sharing your Boba Shet take.
0: (laughs) Bo not a dad favorite. He's kind of in the Aaron Loop category for that. Uh, One last thing that Ross Atkins talked about, I think, is noteworthy, and then we can get out of here. Um, This is from Ben Nicholson-Smith, friend of the show. Ross Atkins said, The Blue Jays have laid groundwork for contract extensions with a few core players, and the Jays plan to continue those talks in the offseason. Jays did not provide specifics. Outside looking in, it seems like Vlad Jr., Bo uh, Bo Bichette, and Manoa are in that group. The thing that I find interesting about this, one, I'm sure they do this every offseason. I'm sure every single offseason with basically everyone on the entire roster who they have an interest in long term, they kind of hammer out what is the framework for an extension that we think is reasonable. In fact, if they didn't do that, that would be a dereliction of duty because that's Mm -hmm. why you have a bunch of analysts and a bunch of scouts and a whole baseball operations department. Hell, they should be thinking about extensions with guys that aren't on their team and are on other teams. And if they traded for them the 1% change, they, they should run the numbers and do those extensions. So I don't think we, this we is could even... get, If we
1: could get Jose Barrios, we could just... Do...
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I don't think this is remotely surprising. Of course they're doing this. Yes. It is interesting because they're talking about doing this, whereas a lot of the times they've said things like, you know, it takes two parties to be a part of that. And obviously we love a lot of the players on our team. Like they've just been incredibly wishy-washy about in the past, which makes perfect sense. And now they're saying that they like, they're specifically saying we're laying down the groundwork to me more than anything, this looks like a PR play so that they can say, Oh, we offered all these guys extensions and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. It it, it does seem a little bit like the, when things don't go our way in the future necessarily, We have this uh, breadcrumb trail of us telling you that we've been working on this and we do want to do this. And uh, later they can say that, I don't know, Vlad turned down an extension or whatever it is. And Vlad did express some interest vaguely through a report uh, late in the season in extension, uh, which was all very exciting. But I, I I don't think, I don't know, we're bringing it up, we're talking about it, so I don't want to totally dismiss it because it is notable. But I think it's more notable in a, how they're choosing to communicate way than in a this will materially affect whether they get extensions done or not type of way.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, it's weird, and that's a little game they're playing. Whereas, and, uh, you know, this is like low-hanging fruit and easy to bring up, but like whereas... Uh, the Braves just keep like just signing their guys that they want to keep, um, which is which is fascinating because they did, like Alex when he was here, uh, you know. Batista got an extension. Edwin got you know like he you know he kind of zeroed in on guys, but it but not in the same way and not in the like, holy shit, what a Cadillac of an organization, except for you know the chop and the white flight and the whole fact that the Braves can go fuck themselves. Orga- part of the organization like <laughs> like, like like they're they're uh, that's a really well run team. From a guy who was here uh, and is doing things that, like, I don't think the Strider uh, extension is, like, particularly, like, it's not super team-friendly. Like, I think it was a very fair extension. I think, like, you know, if the Jays gave Alec Manoa that extension, that would be great. You know, buy bought out a couple free agent years, but you kind of, like, uh, you... uh, you're, exchange- you're 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 gu- you're guaranteeing money and just hoping he's not getting hurt and just uh, there there's there's some give and take on that and uh it, it's not the same as some of the other Braves uh extensions where it's just that felt a little exploitative Um uh, but also uh yeah it, it's it's weird to watch them be wishy-washy about this while you know a really well run organization where uh, somebody who used to be here is, uh, is, is doing, which may, you know, may backfire eventually, but is, is, is doing the thing that everyone here wants like he did in the last years he was here. And uh, I mean, anybody who's listened to me or read anything I've read, you know, I'm not like a guy. Oh, I thought Alex oh, was great, but like, I'm not, I, I I've, I've always tried to be very fair to Shapiro and Atkins. And I think that, you know, I think they're really good, uh, you know, they run They run a good front office. They've done very well. And I don't want to be like, you know, it, it, people let it get adversarial and let it get like stupid, like, oh, you know, make it about one or the other. Uh, they're just doing it a different way. But also I could understand people like looking, uh, looking over there and being like, yeah, why the hell aren't we signing these guys? Uh, and, and, and it's very interesting. I don't, I, I don't know what they're, I don't know what they're doing, but also, and, and also I'm scared. Uh, that they've tied up a lot of money in guys who uh, who didn't you know Barrios and Kikuchi like the Kikuchi money's not a ton, front loaded, whatever. But like this is as we said earlier, as I said earlier, like like 2023 is like the kind of hump year they have to get over, where then they get some flexibility back, but also the flexibility comes back in the fact that Guriel and Ryu and and Teoscar are off the books, but then other guys are getting expensive, so I don't even know how much. Back, but uh yeah, I don't know. It is, it is a, it is a pivotal situation. It's a pivotal year. It's a pivotal winter for them. They're, uh you know, I, I think it. The criticism is uh, easy at this point and sometimes misguided, but also very fascinated to see what the fuck happens this winter.
0: Yeah, there is, you know, lot, I think last winter. Because of the Semyon and Ray issue, and we knew that they were going to spend a bit of money, and were they going to spend that money on kind of their own guys, or are they going to go and get replacements, which they ultimately end up doing? And I think that worked out well. I think you'd rather have Gosman than Ray at this point, and I think Chapman has been really good for them. You'd rather have Chapman and the absence of the prospects than have, you know, Semyon on his deal. Like, imagine the the lack of flexibility you'd have at that point. Um, at the same time, this offseason may be even more essential especially if some of this extension stuff ultimately gets done because it's been a long time we have talked about this for quite literally years and whether it's Bo or Vladdy or whether it's someone in the Teoscar Chapman little bracket there or even Manoa in that Strider mold like they haven't been able to do it really except with the only exception being Barrios which is not off to a roaring start by any means Um, you're inclined to believe that they're going to take a swing here because you know it is you know vladdy's getting close and those other two guys are just 2023 and if they want this version of the blue jays this lineup to be the thing they hang their hat on which is a reasonable stance because it has been elite offense for multiple years now if you want to kind of keep that train rolling you're going to have to start extending and then you're going to have to be potentially even more boxed in financially so there's a lot that's going to happen We are going to talk about it. We don't know exactly when we'll be uh, coming to next. We are constantly disorganized, and the structure of the season has fallen away, which has opened the door for us to be even less organized in the future. But we will figure out what we're doing. We will communicate it with you, and we will talk to all of you shortly.
1: Yeah, thank you very much, everybody. Uh, What a wonderful season it was!